Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm excited today. We have Richard Blank with us. Um, Richard, why don't you, first of all, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Jeff, I'm so happy to be here with you and your audience today. My name is Richard Blank. I'm the proud CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center. I'm also from Northeast Philadelphia. So I got a very good story, a vision quest of twists and turns that got me here today. Awesome. And we're going to explore all of those. So first and foremost, how does somebody from Philadelphia end up in Costa Rica? Let's start with the, the journey piece. It's very simple, my friend. You got to get past your parents' guilt because <laughs> if you're able to live your own life, you can live anywhere in the world. But it really happened with momentum. Really, I got to give myself credit to my 18-year-old Richard. So when I graduated the proud Abington High School, instead of my friends that were going on to Ivy League to study medicine, law, engineering, and architecture, I didn't have the grades, the maturity for it. What I wanted to do was be a Spanish major. It was my favorite class. And I figured if I was the only one who could do it out of my friends, it might make me marketable. So I went to Arizona. I was a Spanish communication major, lived in Spain for a year, had the best time of my life. I interned for Telemundo, post-grad worked for the importers of Corona. So I was getting an ROI on that investment, but I also got that one in a million opportunity. Yo, Jeff, when I was 27, a very, very good friend of mine offered me this this amazing opportunity to move to Costa Rica for just a couple months and work at a call center to teach English. <laughs> I dipped my toe in that water. I decided this is where I wanted to be. And I stayed. I worked at my friend's center for four years, learned the business from the inside out, not from the top. Yeah. And then in my mid thirties, I was mature enough, had impulse control in the capital to start my business. And here we are almost 16 years later. So it's really about the long shot that paid off, following through on your goal that you set for yourself at younger years, and also being able to look at yourself in the mirror. A lot about wellness is about center. It's about balance. It's about respecting oneself and not living with certain regrets, not the eighth grade dance sort of regrets. I'm talking about those sort of internal things that give you fire in the morning to get out of bed. And so I, I really wanted to live a true life. I was being a little selfish with it, but if you think about it, it really turned out to be the right decisions for me. And so that's what I'd like to shatter some misconceptions about people that live in a box and feel certain pressures and have that sort of fear and stress to follow in certain footsteps or to disappoint Life is long and you never know what your true potential is unless you give yourself that opportunity. Well, and it's funny, I'm, I'm 
diving into that and one of the things i'm finding is if we're not living our authentic self it's really hard to you know enjoy the life and and that we're building so um i'm all about authenticity now you and i are going to talk about gamification but first of all i want to hear about pinballs and jukeboxes oh yeah how did we go down that path it's quite simple. I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And when I watched Ricky Schroeder and Silver Spoons, I wanted that game room. <laughs> so, and you know, growing up back in the day, $5 had to last you a whole Saturday. You had to be pretty good at these games. If your audience can see, behind me is a gorgeous 1961 Ricola Regis. One man's trash is another man's treasure. And so when I had this disposable income, when I started earning some good money, there are certain people that would rather have yachts and Rolexes and jets. I want pinball machines. It's almost like Tom Hanks in the movie Big. When he got promoted, he, what he bought was tramp, you know, trampolines in his loft. Of I mean, toys, right? A bunch of toys. And that's what you do. You eat candy until you're sick. And so even though I'm an adult, I still think like a child. Now I have unlimited money. So when people were selling these machines, these arcades that were going out of business because of the gaming today, yeah. yeah, I would just grab a couple buddies in that trailer and drive a couple hours to Pariso, look in some guy's garage and pull them out. And so currently today I have 15 pinball machines, six jukeboxes. I've collected air hockey tables and other retro machines because because I have the space for it. And secondly, I'm willing to die on that hill. My wife can win 99.9% .9 of the arguments. This is the one battle I'm on the fight. Please just let me have my video games and my pinball <laughs> machines. If if we do, I'll have a very happy marriage. I love it. Now, what's your your rarest machine or your your prize? What's who's your favorite child? What a beautiful question. It's it's difficult to say, but my taste has changed through the years. Right now, my favorite decade for pinball machines were the 1970s. Okay. You still had, sometimes you, you might have the, the new screens, but it's usually the wheel and the sound would be the bells that you would have. But my favorite part, and this is where I go crazy, it's the marquee art. It's the play field. So it's not a laminate or a sticker. This was painted on wood. So over the years, you can see the certain cracks. It has its specific roles. Yeah, and if yeah. the cabinet and the outside is preserved and in good condition, you see some of the most amazing artwork on these machines from the pins to where you put in the coins to the lighting i get passionate over it and i love the restoration of it half the fun for me is keeping the the play field clean and so i play the games you get better at it you learn the machines you feel the machines and they're affordable machines today are 20 to forty thousand dollars but if you're looking at things from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you can get them for under a grand. And it really just depends because for me, I, I like Pac-Man and Paperboy and Defender. Some of these games that you see today on the Xbox and some of these gaming, either A, it's too complicated for me or it's just something I don't have the time and patience. I, I like to put in a quarter, one button and a joystick and, and we're off and playing, brother. And so, um, but my pinball. My oldest machine that I have is a 1970s Bally's Camelot. Then I also have a 1971 Bally's Expressway, a 1976 Bally's Freedom Machine, 
those are my oldest ones. But I got a bunch in the 80s from a mouse and around to a space shuttle. But then the majority of machines are from the 90s because that's when they were importing them at the time. And I was just grabbing them from people. And so I, I got a last action hero and a Doctor Who, a Judge Dread, an NBA fast break, right? Wow. A Street Fighter Two, Jurassic <laughs> Park, Hook, you know, nice. I mean, it's all over the place. Jokers, I mean, Lethal Weapon 3. You can't get wow. enough. Yeah. And so, um, you know, once you start, you just can't stop. And so I guess you can see my sincerity. That is my pure passion. And so I love the energy oh, yeah. in that, Richard. And, you know, I'm going to admit I'm a more of a jukebox guy. And um, oh. it's again, like you, I, I grew up watching Happy Days and, you know, they had the the jukebox at Arnold's and it's like one day I'm going to have at least one of those in every room in my house. Like it's just I love the the art artistry of it you know it's just you know that they they built things to last and they they were made to look attractive you know i don't like today where everything's stickers and as you said it's kind of you know we've cheapened a lot of these things so this is um, what your audience can do because a when you're getting these machines the most important or the expensive part is fixing the motor and and that stuff but why don't you just put an MP3 in there? <laughs> Why don't you put a Bluetooth yeah. <laughs> so you can still have the music? And as long as the outside is beautiful, you can do it. Now, happy days. You know, their Nippet pinball machine was from the 70s when this thing was supposed to be in the 50s. What's going on, Fonz? <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, what a great show. What an amazing show. Completely Pinky Tuscadero. Yeah, exactly. The Fonz, you know, it's all good. Let's talk about gamification because that was when I saw your profile, I was like, oh my God, we're going to geek out on, first of all, you know, the, the classic video games, but let's talk about gamification in the workforce. And I'm getting a sense that somehow pinball machines are coming into that. So how, let, let's talk about gamification. What does that mean to you? And how are you using that in Costa Rica call center? Of course. Remember when we grew up in elementary school? They gave you recess, not gym class, not break or lunch, actual recess. You're supposed to go outside and play kickball, capture the flag and have some fun. Well, just because we're older, it doesn't mean we can't play. Play is the best way to build relationships, to let off steam, recharge batteries, control emotions. I've even seen people fall in love by the Pac-Man machine. Why do I have this medium? A, because I'm the boss and I want it. And B, when people walk into my call center, it's almost like Willy Wonka. You might think that you're going into a factory, but when you open that one door where there's the chocolate river and you can eat any flour because it's candy, it gives it a different feel. It's softer. I'm really taking into consideration my company culture. First day prior to any training class, you're in the game room for a half an hour playing pinball and Pac-Man with the 10 new agents you're going to start working with. So now your defense levels drop. You start relaxing a little bit more. There's laughter and banter. And so when you come into the training class, you're already on third base and you have momentum. Then we expand on that because people know everybody now. So they practice their public speaking more. It's better to do role playing and break into groups. So instead of waiting a month or two to make friends, man, we already had that by 20 minutes. Now there's nicknames and someone's already called champ because he crushed everyone. And... <laughs> So instead of going outside, yeah, 
for that cigarette or sitting in the corner by yourself to check your Instagram or eating lunch by yourself. Now we have people that are hanging out in a certain area. And when you make friends, the chances of you quitting is less. And the best thing is to have a best friend at, at a job. But for me personally, it allows them to be with me in an area that is neutral. I own the machine, I'm the boss, whatever. But during that time, we're playing together. And I've literally seen that temperature reduce from a 10 to a four and that six moves forward. So I, I, I'm really bonding with people in a healthy way. And here's the last thing. You're really not supposed to touch your boss at all. But when I'm playing <laughs> pinball and people walk past me, tap me on the shoulder and say, good morning, Hefe. It's because they're comfortable. Yep. And I've seen through that sort of focus group test, that controlled test, do, is there haptics? Are people touching me? Are they approaching me? Are they saying good morning to me? I specifically put myself in the game room so people pass me. And I just want to see, I don't bat a thousand, but let me put it this way. If you saw the sort of positive reinforcement I get from the people that work with me, I think you'd be very happy on the yeah. sort of environment I've created. I love that. And I think that's kind of, you know, there's the old school, you know, let's call it the retro, the 1970s manager, you know, who ruled with an iron fist from the office looking physically down on the floor. Um, I think now they're, they're seeing studies where heart-based leaders, you know, the, the servant leaders are seeing long-term success versus short-term quarterly gains, things like that. Um, and I love that you're in the break room and, and, you know, breaking down barriers with your team. What barriers? This is what the other people aren't doing. Do you remember the movie Slapshot from the 70s with Paul <laughs> Newman when he was Reggie? That's yes. me. I'm a, I'm a coach, but I'm also on the team. I'm a real in there player. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm George Patton. I'm with my people, you know, and, and that's nice. That's how you get the respect of the people when you are in the gym and you get on the flat bench and do your sets. So you get the respect of the people. And, you know, I don't do it through fear because they have the leverage. You know about those Chuck E. Cheese parties if nobody shows up, you have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> and if I treat people a certain way and the next day they could get a job at, uh, at Amazon, what am I doing here? Yeah. And so what I really tried to do was just to create that, that happy medium where everybody leaves something on the table and we're all in a level playing field. And it's humbling in business because you expect that you have all the power and people are going to be lining up and begging for the job. They may, it depends on the industry, maybe Hollywood or something. Yeah. But kiss, not in the call the center. Ring and <laughs> My brother, not in the call center industry. I mean, there's a lot of jumpers and rotation. And so how did I try to stop that and catch them? Well, someone will pay more. Someone will have an office closer to your home. Hey man, your girlfriend works there. I'm not your girlfriend. Yep. And so how can I compete with that? As you said, 70s old school style, like the bad news bears, you know, <laughs> really being that person that knows your name and goes outside and tells your mother how great you are or not just calling you champ on a Tuesday, but saying, yo, Jeff, you did 44 sales last week. 
And I heard that call with Mrs. Jones when you're on the phone for 15 minutes with your rebuttals. I'm super proud of you. Yeah. That's what goes a long way. So let's talk about the call center because I, I feel like that's, um, this is an opportunity. I'm a big um, business nerd. I love learning what other people do. Um, yeah. Let's talk about who works with you. What what kind of people are leveraging a call center and what kind of problems are you solving for them? Because I feel like this is an under-discussed topic. How am I going to shatter misconceptions? Yo, Jeff, <laughs> you watch movies, don't you? The Absolutely. Wolf of Wall Street and Boiler Room, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, right? The prime gig, all that good stuff. Well, I mean, you're screaming out, Recco, cutting ties, everyone's standing, closing on cold calls. <laughs> I mean, come on, Gene the Machine, <laughs> golfies <laughs> for closers, please. It really depends on the environment that you're in. There's five campaigns I don't do here. It's because I'm in a very strict Catholic country and I'm a guest here. We don't do sports books, casinos, stocks, pharmacies, or sweepstakes. But there's a lot of companies out there, such as your bank or other places that will retain a client that will give you an upsell or some sort of referral or, or assistance that you might not get when you're just entering in information, filling out forms, waiting for somebody to respond. That's the most frustrating thing when you keep pressing zero. Yep. And so as much as people are downsizing and trying to do things through AI, AI can't give you a hug. And AI can't tell you that they know where you're coming from if your dog dies. That's inauthentic. That's not yep. sincere. And so I think that's where the one thing where it's like a cold metal seat, it's not comfortable, but it works. Yeah, and AI, the they'll be certain, <laughs> man, there's certain times someone will want hand holding yep. and to spend a couple extra minutes on the phone to vent with an intake coordinator for a law firm or with their insurance company or when they're speaking with their doctor's assistant because they're emotional. Mm -hmm. And and when you start doing things in that way with AI, it, it's really eliminating the value and of, of that client. And so to answer your question, I do customer support. I do back office non-voice support. I can do SEO work, lead generation appointment setting and sales, but it's really not about the campaigns that I get. It's the ones that I turn away because they might have unrealistic expectations in regards to the aggressiveness of the call. Maybe their list isn't large enough for full-time work. The script isn't prepared, the rebuttals are just too unprofessional. Or maybe when we're trying to use their CRM or pass a lead over people on their end are dropping the ball. So there's a lot of questions besides wanting to earn your business. It's my own reputation here, it's the agents investing their time and it's, are we gonna make a muck of it? And yeah. so after you, after you tell me how much money we're gonna make the bells and the whistles and there's someone in your office, Jasmine, that can do 15 an hour. I start asking you questions. I start asking metric questions. It's like simple mathematics. It's almost like deductive reasoning from Sherlock Holmes. Whatever you have left is irrefutable. Right. So Jasmine does 15 an hour. That's awesome. What's Jasmine's average talk time? 
Is she manually dialing her on the predictive dialer? Hey, Jeff, is there any wrap up time for Jasmine? Because I'm sure she's taking copious notes to be able to send that follow up email. Do you have an email template? Interesting. Do you have a voicemail template? Does Jasmine take any sort of time prior to the call like you and I did before this podcast, yeah. Jeff, just to do your proper due diligence so you can see two or three things to anchor with, to have in common? So I know Jazzy's doing 15, but in my mind, she's probably doing about seven because comparing it to my other mediums and other sort of industries and the conversion ratios, I don't think she can do that sort of work. <laughs> and so, I mean, you have to send me some recordings. And so once the dust settles and I let them know what I'm capable of doing and what realistic expectations are when you're ramping up training, oversight, quality assurance, supervision, it can work. The main thing, my friend, is no surprises. I like preventions over cures. That's good for wellness, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And also you can gauge someone's character during chaos. <laughs> and so if you're giving me unrealistic expectations, I don't want it because I don't want sleepless nights and upset stomachs. And since you see something on TV, it doesn't mean that's the reality in regards to telemarketing, which has really changed in the last decade when people don't have landlines anymore. And a lot of people are working from home or since COVID, people really are just expecting either emails or non-voice. There's no one answering at corporate anymore. So you had to be much more creative in regards to increasing that contact. And so um, am I throwing the business away? No, but I'm an extremely realistic person with some people and I'll, and I'll do it through diplomacy. I'll be strategic. I'm not gonna insult you if you do not have your act together. You're, like you and me, brother, you're dealing with someone who's been doing it for decades. Yep. And it's best for me to consult and not sell. And from an educated point of view, Jeff, then you make a decision to move forward with me. I, I was taught never to force hands or twist an arm. You should never force a kiss. <laughs> things should be done naturally, like in the movies. And so- Words of wisdom, let them lean in, kiss, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from, but uh, but you understand my point. I, 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 I want to feel comfortable. And, and you want to know the best part too. It's like a team that has a five goal lead. You play differently. You don't hold back, but you don't take such hard chances. And since I'm comfortable, I'm stable, means I'm not desperate. So I'm not making certain decisions or I'm not begging for the business or compromising my ethics. And so those are the sort of things in regards to wellness and, and spirituality, because what is your cost? I mean, when you're five years old, yeah, candy bar at the store, you took it, you owe them 25 <laughs> cents, but not at today, Jeff. I mean, if you and I actually walked back to that store as adults, we probably put $10 on the counter, say we're good with the owner and just walk out. Yep, and just yep. pay it forward and make peace with it because we were we were children then. Yeah. And so my stage of business is a lot different now than when it was 16 years ago when I was starting out and would have done anything for an account. I'm very selective today and it's, and it's really just for my own peace of mind and, and being able to fulfill the need of the client. 
I love that. And, you know, one of the, I, I've had a lot of conversations about outsourcing. So we're, we're going to talk about that in a second, because I think yeah. the big myth I hear and the mistake I hear is that's their team versus this is my team. And I want to hear your thoughts on, on how teams can be integrated, because I feel like that's probably a big part of, of working together successfully is valuing one another as as partners in the business is that a fair comment well naturally if someone is outsourcing work from corporate it, it could be seen as a threat but how about this my friend why don't we just look at it through merit if i'm able to do 10 and corporate can do four as flavor Flav says that's just the way the ball bounces g and <laughs> I look at it as who's the fastest runner and who can jump the highest. And also we have dual language capacities. We have the most neutral English accent, but we speak Spanish. And also our proximity to the United States and our skill set. And so in the United States, a lot of people see telemarketing as a transitional job. They'll look down upon it, or as you say, they'll tease it. They say it's yeah, worse than yeah. a used car salesman. Thank you. <laughs> but then again, if you have certain soft skills, and you know how to initiate conversations and bring them to conclusion and give positive escalations to gatekeepers and take copious notes and, and really be talented. You can make millions and have tons of friends and be exceptionally popular and respected. And so I look at it more as the art of speech. What we have is fire. You can use it for warmth, for health, or you can use it to burn. Yeah. And I try not to have a sharp tongue. We don't like that sort of rhetoric. What we try to do is really expand our vocabulary with the thesaurus. We are constantly listening to ourselves just to improve our delivery or pausing and our turn taking. It's a gorgeous skill. And I think most people today are becoming lazy or they just are not in practice. I, I was just going to say, you've clearly worked towards mastering communication rather than, you know, everybody, oh, I, I, I can do phone sales. It's, you know, any idiot with a phone can do it. Well, yes, they can, but they can't do it well, right? Yes and no. When you say phone sales, I think you're broad stroking this thing. It's, yeah. it's as I mentioned before, sales, it, it's a certain word. I, I, as I said, education. And when I would go into this, you, well, I'm going to share some philosophy with you. You're going to love this. Some yes. of your audience yes. might have might have had their tarot cards read. There's a specific card called the fool card. Now, it doesn't mean you are a fool, but it means you live life a certain way where you're smelling a rose with the sun in your face and you might or might not be walking off a cliff. And so for me, if you're making 100 calls a day, you're not going to hit 100. But there are romantic deaths where in the first 30 seconds, I can do a company name spike. I can do a positive escalation. I can introduce myself properly with a buffer boomerang technique to adjust the tone and to show active listening. And these are the sort of things that even if they say we're good, thanks, if you can do those four or five things, we call that jumping clouds. It's a chest out technique. It's a, it's a beautiful death because I said, hey, Jeff, Global Wellness HQ, how are you today? Who is this? Richard Blank, Costa Rica's call center. Costa Rica's call center, why are you calling today? That's an excellent question, Jeff. Man, we're still on 15 seconds. This is great. <laughs> you haven't sold them yet. I don't need to. 
I need to anchor with you. And yeah, I don't want to yeah. worry about the eighth page of the script or getting 10 minutes in that, you know, non-qualified appointment or rushed appointment. I take it in checkpoints. I have first downs for touchdowns. No, seriously, I do. There's an introduction, a body and a conclusion of everything from a composition to even 10 seconds. And so if I can focus a 10 minute conversation into 10 one minute conversations or even better, my brother, 20, 30 second conversations. Now I'm completely focused, I'm in the now and I'm using the genius of Robin Williams of being spontaneous. I make camp, I exhaust every drop you have vertically before I move horizontally to that next question, which I'm gonna be asking in an open-ended way. Cause I'll still get your yes or no, but I'll get the explanation. Sometimes I'll figure out where the priorities are and you could have saved me some time. And so these are the greatest ways for you to breathe, to be able to lower your temperature, think ahead, plan your notes. And it's a, it's a beautiful dance if people are willing to do it. And so to answer question about selling on the phone, no one sells on the phone. They get hung up on on the phone. The main thing is, is, is having that conversation, Jeff, so where you say my name, Richard, in the body of the call, not the intro or the conclusion. That's when we've anchored. That's when I know we're cool. And that's when I can slow down, calm down, land that call plane, and just make sure we have a beautiful relationship. And mind you this, my friend, prior to being transferred to you, I already gave your secretary, Catherine, a huge compliment. I told her that she was great. I told you she was great. And I'm also going to do it in writing. So when we get off the phone, you're going to tell her. And when I call your company back, not only will she remember me, she'll thank me for that compliment that I gave her because she's worked there for 10 years and no one's ever done it. Nobody's she's going to tell her, me about her. anniversary, your company culture, your direct <laughs> extension. And the next thing you know, Richie's got more business because everyone loves him. And that's how you do the, the circle. You make nice, you, you touch two or three times, you build, you build a pipeline. That's what you do, Jeff. Well, Richard, if I may say, so one of my favorite topics, one of the things I geek out the most is about building authentic relationships. And I'm loving our conversation because that's what I'm hearing in what you do. It is about recognizing, it's that human-to-human -human interaction. Um, I'm going to say that you've clearly elevated communication to a an art form. And I, I think it, it's just fascinating. And, and I'm going to say this from my perspective. I want you to chime in. Um, I don't think most corporate puts a tenth, if not a thousandth, of the effort into making that connection that you're doing with your clients and their clients like it's you know i i hear the you know my my company that provides my internet at least once a week some random person telemarkets me trying to upsell and it's like you do realize i'm a customer already right oh i didn't know that like it's like seriously how important do you think i feel so I, I want to hear that from your perspective, because I get the sense that you're building authentic relationships with every phone call you guys make. These poor guys calling you, you know, they're pawns. They're expendable. They're going to get mowed down. 
You're not giving them the business. You're an existing client. You didn't hang up on them. So, but you're a mensch, you're a good guy. So I think what you should do is try to A, not critique, but make a suggestion in regards to them because a lot of the times they're speaking too fast. Mm. So I'm going to say, listen, um, Billy, you got to slow down a bit. What is the name of your company again? Great. I didn't hear that the first time. Yep. You rushed. Yep. Second is you got to say my name. You haven't even said Richard yet. <laughs> you keep calling me, sir. <laughs> Did you do any due diligence? Did you look at the website yet? Do you know I'm from Philly? And, <laughs> and as I say, you know, we start going over some of the rebuttals and I try to adjust certain tones. Like I don't like the word help. Billy, you got to stop using help. Please say you're going to lend a hand. You know, make it a little bit better. And so by the end of my call with them, I've straightened their tie. I've cleaned them up a bit. And I paid it forward because you and I have knocked on the door to sell Little League candy. We've been waiters before. Yeah. And to answer your question about the one hundredth of one tenth percent that treats their people that same way, do you remember? Do you remember? before you got your first something, how you said, oh, if I only got that, I, I would treasure it till the day I, I died. This business was larger than winning a baseball game or getting a first date. Yeah. This was my life. And I made that sort of commitment that regardless of the outcome, regardless of the money, regardless of anything of nothing, I will continue to treat people the way that I was raised by my parents and grandparents. Why? Because that's what always worked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, was, it was my charm. It was knocking on doors. It was being assertive. It was just being polite. It was opening doors. It was remembering names. It was writing thank you notes. It was wiping your feet before going in a house, asking permissions. It's, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but my goodness, I, I was taught social etiquette. Yep. And I realized that by default, showing up late, not following through on an email, um, cursing or, 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 or treating someone below that, not even knowing their position at a company, that's a nice test. Mm -hmm. and, and so, as I said, I kept winning just by doing the things that I was taught to prepare me for life. Now, everything else is just gravy and that's just what you learn going along. But I have enough faith, Jeff, in how I was raised and how I was educated and the friends that I surround myself with and even though you told me earlier that it's informal and you don't need to wear a suit, we were teasing each other with the emails prior <laughs> to this podcast today. I'm here today for multiple reasons like this. A, in case my mother is watching. B, because I really Hi, respect you. Thanks, brother. <laughs> and I really respect your audience. And just by doing this alone is just one thing I just wanted to show you. It, this how much I respect you. And does that mean you're going to pick me first? No, but you're going to look at that and you're going to go, my boy took the extra time to iron that shirt and to put on his cufflinks. And oh, let's why? see the cufflinks. I used to collect cufflinks. Oh, nice, nice, right? nice. Old school. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I mean, these are the sort of things that I just feel like I'm prepared. If you, if you show up early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you want me to quote you 50 other things that I just learned. And so, but when people try to make it too complicated, or maybe you're expecting me to give you this Elon Musk $1 million bit of advice, which I'm sure he's got tons of it. 
my success was just built on foundation. That's it. And that's the thing that was consistent through the years. I mean, my hair has changed <laughs> through the years, but, but Richard hasn't. I, I still have that same spring in my step and, and zest for life. And I'm extremely appreciative of every day. And I'm humble too, because this could end at any time. That's why you should always, at the end of the day, know that your toes are still tapping. And um, it's a crazy way to live. It's almost, um, in some sense, it's not even realistic because I should be you know, succumbing to society's norms and doing a nine to five and just doing what you see in TV with a lunchbox and, and a factory work. And there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But for some odd reason, I had a vision quest. I had something inside of me that pushed me towards something. Why learn Spanish? Why continue on it? There was no guarantee of investment. Yeah. But when I had this opportunity, I had to take it. And there was a lot of pressure on me to be in a family business and to not move abroad. And who could compare notes with me? And you've never started a company. You never did a payroll. Richard, 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 Richard. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> it's almost like Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump. Put him in that storm. Let him be out there. And let him be tested by the gods. Mm -hmm. Because... That's the only way to know, really, if you have that sort of vigor. And I was willing to die with my boots on. I mean, Jeff, I could have always click my heels and gone home and had that job with mommy and daddy. And, yep. and that's a beautiful thing. And I was very fortunate to have that option. But my man, there was something inside of me. Like, do you remember when you were a kid and you read the stories about the kid, the guy with the stick and the bandana on the back walking <laughs> down the country road and you see him walking off in the horizon? I, I wanted my horizon. I wanted to leave a castle to slay a dragon so I can save a princess and be a prince, damn it. <laughs> I wanted to drink life. Yeah. And, and don't tell me that I was going to be CEO of a call center. I didn't even know what a call center was, but you didn't even know really what one was until this podcast. And so yeah, I fell into this, but I drank it. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things when you embrace the unexpected and incorporate it and grow from it because you would have never known. And so that's why I'm here today. I love it. Now, I could talk to you all day, Richard. Um, I will be mindful of your time, I promise. Well, um, I, if, I got some time, my brother, trust me. <laughs> if somebody wants to connect with you, learn more about you and what you do and the, and the call center, um, how can people follow you or connect with you? My suggestion is to buy a first class plane ticket and fly down here, especially when it's really cold up north. I love watching Philadelphia when it's snowing <laughs> and I'm outside chilling, you know, in the sun. So yeah, come down and fly down and come visit me and play pinball. But no, I have a very large Facebook fan page about um, 124,000 local Costa Rican Ticos. And it will give your audience a real grasp on the business process outsourcing, especially here in Central America. We're, we're north of Panama south of Nicaragua, Costa Rica is the only democratic society in Central America. Now, there's no standing army. They put all their money into education, so they have a 95% literacy rate. We got the best infrastructure. We're known for ecotourism, medical tourism, and check this out. Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle wow. are here. 
So that's who I compete with. I compete with Jeff Bezos, who's the starting quarterback of the varsity football team. And I'm Lucas. And here's the skinny Denny. I've played pinball with every single agent of mine. I'm not sure if Mr. Bezos has done that. And I thank him so much for what he's invested here and, and everything. But, you know, pound for pound, if we're doing the call center Olympics, sure, he beats me in 99 competitions. But I beat him in the pinball competition. <laughs> I got a better game room than he does. And there you know you perfectly go. well, there's a lot of agents that would work for me for just that alone. And so yep. if you can separate yourself, give yourself a niche, a sort of, you know, special color in the crayon box, there will be more than enough people that will choose it, my man. And I was willing to put myself out there and make myself vulnerable, which in turn, Jeff, makes you powerful. And so that's what I decided to do. I love that. Now, Richard, you're the expert at being Richard. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? Because I feel we've just touched the tip of the iceberg in a lot of areas. A lot of it has to do with the downtime. You're seeing me on camera right now, but what happens to the dedicated practice or the, or the me time? What do I do? I love to work out. So I'll do about an hour and a half to two hours a day. Cardio, weights. I hit a bag and I work on core, my stomach. And so I love that stuff. I eat well, you know, take my creatine and my protein. There's a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables and exotic stuff here. And so you can have an exceptionally healthy diet for a budget. I love washing my convertible on a Sunday. We spoke about pinball marathons. <laughs> and my wife and I love to go explore the tropical rainforest. I, I don't need to be at the Four Seasons by the pool. It is nice, but there are certain times when you're by yourself underneath a waterfall with turquoise water right in front of you. You can even skinny dip. <laughs> no <laughs> one's around. And so it's like the greatest thing ever to, that's when you know that you're one because everything is perfect in that one moment, or as you say, the stars are aligned. And I believe that some of the greatest things I've experienced in life have not cost money. It was just love or friendship, beauty, just a sort of experience that can enrich your life that you, it's a gift that keeps on giving, that you are proud of yourself for having that experience or keeping an open mind in a new culture to break bread in someone's home and realizing you have to eat a second plate because it's polite. And <laughs> what it did for me, my friend, it didn't keep me on my toes, but every day was fresh and new for me. It, it was like being at camp, right? Every day felt like a Saturday. And since Spanish was not my first language, I felt a little James Bondish, right? And so um, all it did was continue the stimulation. But I, I guess my, my bit of advice, besides sharing about myself, I, I also want to share a core thought that I have. I really don't want your audience to be too hard on themselves. There's a lot of thoughts that you have, but if you have honorable intentions and you do things with good faith and you dip your toe in the water, you just don't change or make dramatic changes. You, you may have financial responsibilities or with your family and stuff like that, but not saying that you're not working hard enough for your current job. But in my mind, 40 hours is part-time. 80 hours is full-time if you really want to be a player. And if you're capable of juggling both, 
yeah, a couple hundred grand a year you can start making. Or if one thing on the side is better than another, that's where you focus. Or how about even this, the best part, you might even be able to start hiring people and paying salaries and delegating and promoting. And so the moment that you release that weight, mentally, physically, spiritually, then you rise, right? Release whatever weight is holding you back so you can expand. That's my only suggestion for your audience. And I can't thank you enough. Jeff, you do the best podcast. You know, I had a great time with you today. I have the best guests. So it's it's all you. And, and Richard, thank you for being on the show. And uh, for those listening, um, Richard is as fun as he sounds. So make sure you connect with them and um, join him online. So thank you for being on the show today, Richard. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.